0: Hi there, uh, as I said, Robbie Gilligan here, uh, serving as your chair today. Um, on behalf of Dr. Ivan of, of Brady and myself, we w- both want to welcome you to the ninth Children and Care Research Forum. And as you may know by now, the, the aim of the Children and Care Research Forum is to showcase new research that's emerging about children and care issues broadly understood in Ireland, work conducted in Ireland, but also international work that uh, we consider of relevance to Irish policy and practice. But today, we're delighted to welcome uh, a colleague of ours, Dr Maria Lotti from University College Cork. And we'll, te- we'll tell you a little bit more about Maria and her uh, topic in a moment. But uh, first of all, just a few bits of housekeeping, if I may. Um, first of all, to thank uh, Trist Trinity Research and Social Sciences, who uh, are helping us host this, and particularly to the wonderful Maeve McGrath, who's an absolute star and uh, expert in all the business of running webinars, and and just is so helpful in every possible way. So thank you, Maeve. if you have questions, the format will be uh, Maria speaking and then questions, but you may wish to enter uh, questions on the chat function as you go along uh, so that they will be, you know, as, you, as something occurs to you during the, the presentation, you might want to write in the question and we can do our best to cover as many as possible. And there will also be an opportunity to actually ask questions live. But So there's two options for you in terms of putting putting forward questions. Uh, the webinar is being recorded thanks to the wonders of modern technology and Maeve's know-how. <laughs> and this uh, link will be circulated after the session. Um, if you're into twi- tweeting and into Twitter, we're delighted if you feel inclined to uh, send messages about uh, the event and the presentation. And we'd ask that you would include the hashtag, hashtag children in care research. We're still looking for a shorter hashtag, but in the meantime, this is the one we use hashtag children in care research. And, uh, finally on housekeeping, uh, we intend to run other children care research events during the year. And if you wish to be added to the list, uh for notification for mailing and so on if you email brady e brady e at T, uh, brady e3 brady e3 at tcd.ie brady e3 at tcd.ie okay so uh my great pleasure now uh on behalf of Anna and myself to welcome uh our guest presenter today dr maria Lotti who's travelled all the way from Leaside to be with us today. Uh, She's broken the five-kilometre rule, but we'll turn a blind eye because it's such an important event. Um, Maria is a specialist in trauma-informed care, uh, particularly therapeutic interventions using that approach or that lens, uh, interventions with children and families. And she's working as the coordinator of the Trauma-Informed Care Project in the Cork fostering team uh, with Tusla, uh, she has a doctorate uh, from uh, UCC. Congratulations, Maria, on that! Uh, and that P- PhD was her doctorate was on the uh, on trauma-informed care uh, uh, the, as a psychoeducational intervention in foster care. Uh, she's twenty years a professional in the field. Uh, as a social worker, mainly in foster care, but she's got, also got experience in youth work and residential care and has worked in the UK and in Ireland. So you, she has great range and depth of experience. She's the author of the evidence based Fostering Connections, the trauma informed foster care programme. Uh, and she has published in several academic journals. She's also a part time lecturer in University College Cork, UCC and uh, she specializes in continuing professional development issues for, for practitioners who work with trauma so without any more ado i will switch off my mic and hand over to maria thanks maria you're on mute i think
1: Um, thank you for the opportunity to present the findings of my PhD study, um, Professor Gilligan and Ivan. And I, before I start, I just wish to acknowledge the support that TUSLA and UCC have provided for this independent study. So, the presentation will include background to the study, methodology, description of the program, selected evaluation findings, and study implications. So this study was motivated by my experience of fostering instability as a social work practitioner. And whilst fostering instability is a multifaceted phenomenon, I was interested in doing research and improving service quality for the foster carer. And thus, the aim of the study was to develop a psychoeducational intervention for foster carers That increase the foster care's capacity to provide children with trauma-informed care and in turn reduce the children's trauma-related difficulties. So for clarity, in this study trauma-informed care is defined within the foster care context as an approach involving four key elements. Firstly, Knowledge and trauma knowledge and understanding of trauma impact on children and their families and the impact of caring for children who've experienced trauma. Secondly, a skill set that is effective in the recognition, response, and amelioration of trauma impact. Thirdly, actively avoiding practices that re-traumatize. Fourthly, using evidence-based practices for trauma. And the approach is underpinned by key practice principles of safety, trustworthiness, choice, collaboration and empowerment for both the provider, in this case the foster carer, and the survivor, the children. So the study was underpinned by a complex methodological framework that involved three stages. So you can see there in stage one was the development stage of the programme, stage two, feasibility and piloting. uh, stage three evaluation. So, I'm here today to present to you stage three of the overall study, um, which was uh, concerned with the evaluation of the program. So, before I get into the evaluation, I wish to share with you what the program involves. So, it's a manualized psychoeducation intervention, it involves six sessions delivered over six consecutive weeks. The format. The format is experiential exercises, videos, demonstration, role play, discussion. There is kind of at home in between activities um, and limited slides. Foster carers receive a toolkit and a homework copybook. It's co-facilitated by a trained practitioner and an experienced foster carer, and it's very much reflected of the Irish foster care experience. The program was designed to strongly align with Dr. Howard Bath's three pillars of trauma-informed care, safety, connection, and coping. The foster carer is also invited to explore their own history and how this impacts on their foster caring. Self-care is also emphasized throughout the program and there's specific attention given to areas of The foster care's role in supporting children's safe experiences of access with their birth family, the foster care's relationship with the child's birth family, and thirdly, the foster care's relationship with the social workers. So moving on to the evaluation of fostering connections, so I used a mixed method approach which involved two component studies, a quantitative study and a qualitative study. And at integrative phase, the two component studies were combined through triangulation, which involved assessing whether the results and findings across the study showed convergence, so agreement, complementarity, whether there was complementary information on the same issue, dissonance, so whether there was disagreement across the studies, and or silence, so that would be where a theme was found in one study and not the other. So each component study has been published and is available to you on open access, and Mavis is going to put up those details for you in the chat box. But just to summarize here, um, the first study, the quantitative study, it involved a quasi-experimental study with the control group that collected data at four time points. So data was collected at time point one, before the intervention was given, post-intervention, so that would have been six weeks in, 16 weeks um, again, and 15 months was the fourth time point. There were 79 foster carers that participated in that study. 49 the intervention group received the intervention and 30 were were in the control group and they reported on 121 children. 46 of the foster carers in the intervention group also completed a satisfaction questionnaire post-intervention. So that was the quantitative study. The second component study was the qualitative study. So that collected collected data through three focus groups and that involved 27 participants, 17 were foster carers that had participated in the program and 10 were facilitators, so they were either practitioners or foster carers who delivered the program or they were facilitators in training who observed the intervention. So the integrative phase produced four meta themes, and these were fostering connections was highly acceptable to foster carers. The intervention was effective in increasing foster carers capacity to provide trauma-informed care. The intervention was associated with the reduction of children's emotional and behavioral difficulties over time. And so sustainability of the program would require ongoing support for foster carers, facilitators, and parallel a parallel training for practitioners. So I'm just going to unpack the four themes. The first theme acceptability. Um, so across both studies, there was cooperating evidence to show the program was highly acceptable, and this produced three sub themes. Three three sub themes. So the first theme sub theme relevance. So, participants felt the program was highly relevant to their experience. Secondly, the experience of the program was highly acceptable. And thirdly, the, ex- the, the acceptability was also reflected in the high attendance rates. So, this quote from a foster care reflects this theme. So, in 10 years as a foster care, nothing joins the dot more in our foster caring life than this course. So the second meta-theme method, method was the foster carers increased their capacity to provide children with trauma-informed care. And again, cooperating evidence was found across the uh, studies in sub-themes of increased knowledge of trauma-informed care, um, a development of a more trauma-informed care attitude towards the children, and an increase in their confidence in their fostering. There were two further themes found in the qualitative study only. These were an increase in fostering reflection and trauma-informed care, care carer-child interactions. These findings were not reported in the quantitative arm of the study because they were not measured. Well, most likely because they were not measured. So just to go through those um, key uh, themes, Uh, Looking at the sub-theme of increased trauma-informed care knowledge, you can see the quantitative study reported a statistically significant increase in the intervention group compared to the control group at each time point post-intervention. So as you can see from the graph, at time point one, the groups were very similar, which you'd expect with their level of knowledge. But over the course of the 15 months of the study, the intervention group significantly increased their knowledge at time point two, three, and this was sustained at time point four. So the qualitative study illuminated this increase in knowledge also. So this is a quote that captures this. So I felt I knew that every child that comes into care Was suffering from trauma of some kind. I was aware of that and now that I've been on the course, I know know how badly affected by trauma they are. I only wish I could have done this course 20 years ago. And as does this quote, it's good to know there's something behind the dramatic outbursts, the fits of rage and that you're not imagining it. Your child, no matter what age, is experienced trauma from his own life before he came to you. Of course, provided me with extra tools to cope with triggers. So looking at the sub-theme of fostering developing a more trauma-informed attitude, this was reported in the quantitative study as an increase in tolerance of child misbehavior. So again, as you can see from the graph, the two groups, intervention and control. Were very very similar at time point one, with their level of tolerance, but again over the period of the study, there was a statistical significant increase at time point two, three, and sustained at time point four in the intervention group compared to the control group. The qualitative study also illuminated this change in attitude, and this is captured here in this quote. Just from looking at it from the child's point of view, the mindset, look, no matter what happens, no no matter what he does, this is the way he's going to be thinking, you know, kind of, especially when there are huge mood swings, you're you're not going to blame this fellow for that. I'm not thinking, Christ almighty, I gave him a tenor a few minutes ago, why couldn't he be happy? It took the judgment out of it. And this quote, I think that every child I got along the years, you know, the hardest thing to be able to understand it was from the child's point of view. And very often when the social workers would called, they'd have a different kind of outlook on it than I would have had. And I was always trying to figure that out as well, you know, what are they saying? Can they not see it from my point of view? And now I see why, you know. So the third sub theme there on fostering confidence, again, looking at the graph, you can see very similar to the previous two sub themes. Confidence at time point one was very practically the same but um, after the intervention, the interventions group at time point two, three and sustained at 15 months, they had increased their fostering efficacy while in the control group, they, stayed pretty much the same. And how this was corroborated in the qualitative study, it it was, and this is an example captured here in this quote. So for me, it completely changed my parenting. I'm now more confident and relaxed when situations are stressful and more able to help the children in crisis because I have a more rounded understanding of trauma. As a foster carer who was very close to burnout, I found the training gave me confidence to try try new things, and as a result, gave me back the enjoyment and pleasure I had lost when parenting children. The qualitative study also connected this increase in confidence with a sense of hope, and this is captured in this quote. I would have always had hope, but it doesn't mean anything without the tools. But now it's connected to my ability to bring them there, where in the past it would have been hope without the tools. So looking at the subtheme of fostering reflection, which was found in the qualitative study. So this is the term that I use to delineate parental re- reflective capacity in a fostering context so it's a core element of trauma-informed care it involves the foster care's capacity to remain open and curious about what they're imagining is going on in the child's mind but at the same time having an awareness of their own mental state so they can remain emotionally regulated empathetic and really i suppose try and understand what's behind the behavior and this is a quote that captures this i found it grounded me actually that I am more present, you know, even though you'd be worried about your kids all the time, you'd be worried, 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 but now I can be more rational about it. I understand the tantrums and the bad behavior and I'm learning from the bad behavior. I'm learning more from the bad behavior than their good behavior. And I find that very strange. I'm not as frustrated with like, I just thought it grounded me, brought me down. And the sub-theme of increased child-carer interaction was also found in the qualitative study. So foster carers described um, an increased awareness about how they previously responded to the children from more a traditional parenting perspective, and now they had changed to using more trauma-informed care responses. And here is a quote that gives an example of this, so. I do it in the car, I'm a lot calmer. As I was coming along by the courthouse yesterday, I realized it after an access visit. I'm just leaving her give out to me before I'd be saying, Rachel, that's not, I don't speak to me like that, please. She's very angry, but I know now why she's angry because the mother doesn't talk to her her or play with her and she knows it's wrong. But I know she can't say it. She doesn't know how to express it. But she knows it's wrong. She feels it, and now I just let her get it all out. So moving on to the third meta theme, children's emotion behaviour difficulties. This was um, I'm going to focus actually on the the. The subteam two and three there, but I just want to note um with regard to the level of need. Um, this the level of need was reflected at very high levels for the children across the both both studies. And I think we'd all be very aware of that. But interesting, interestingly, I found in my quantitative study at baseline, so the 121 children, there were 30% of those children reported to be in clinical significant range and 15% in borderline range for emotional and behavioural difficulties. So just looking at the child outcome results from the quantitative study and you can see, contrary to the primary foster care outcomes we've already looked at in the graphs I showed you um, previously, The two groups started at a different point, or in time point one, they're starting at a different place. So they reported dissimilar levels of child difficulties between the intervention group and the control group. But interestingly, over the course of the 15 month period of the study, you can see the intervention group, the carers reported, Um, a decline, uh, a a reduction in emotional and child behavioural difficulties, whereas in the control group they reported an increase, increasing to the point that it was greater um, than the intervention group um, at the end of the study. So overall what the quantitative study reported that there was a statistically significant result in regard to the reduction of child emotional difficulties at time point 15 only. So this reflects the idea it reflects and it, it shows, I suppose, that reporting significant progress takes time. I didn't get those results at six weeks or 16 weeks. It was only reported at 15 months. Um, so just to share with you the measure used for the child outcomes was the strengths and difficulties questionnaire, which has four subscales hyperactivity peer problems, emotional problems and conduct problems. So positive results were only reported in two subscales hyperactivity and peer problems. So they were the they were the cooperated uh, with the qualitative study that produced those two sub themes. So looking at that sub theme increased child uh, regulation, which is corroborated here in the qualitative study, but in the quantitative study as a decrease in hyperactivity. So this is a quote that um, captures this. The calming and the connecting and the more understanding. Yes, give it a bit of time and then approach it again. What was causing him to be angry two hours ago? He can't remember. We'll play a game. He'll go on from that. And it has passed, whatever that feeling he was getting has passed and they are becoming less and less. He is improved. And the qualitative study also cooperated the theme of reduced peer problems reported in the quantitative study. And this is a quote that is an example of that. So this foster carer said the difference I see with our child is we communicate more. He is becoming less demanding. He's less triggered. If I don't answer straight away, he is more confident. He can play nicely with his friends. He eats his food without making himself sick. And he's more affectionate and wants our affection more. So the third sub theme in this uh, with regard to child emotional behavioural difficulties was this idea of fostering time, which is actually a saying that a colleague in Kerry gave me. And it reflects the, the idea that, you know, progress is going to take a long time with children that have experienced trauma. And that was very much corroborated As I said, in the quantitative study through the statistical significance was only found after 15 months, but also in the qualitative study. And this is a quote from a facilitator um, who said, it is through the foster care's responses that we will see the changes. You can't expect the child to change overnight. It's through their responses to the child's behavior is where they will see the change. So the last theme was sustainability, and this had three sub-themes. Cooperating evidence was found across the study for the first two sub-themes. These were the need for support and follow-up training for foster carers and the need for training the stakeholders, in particular, the social workers um, who were involved, um, known to the foster carers. Now, it was surprising to find convergence across the studies for these themes, given the quantitative study didn't seek to find data on these contextual issues. But it was interesting that the participants found a way to report it. So they found a way to report these concerns through the open-ended question of the satisfaction questionnaire. So it really reflects how strongly they had strong views they had on these themes. So the third theme was found in the qualitative study only and this was the need for facilitator support so this is likely to reflect the fact that the facilitators didn't participate in the quantitative study so you know it's very much a, a facilitator concern but that did come out as a strong theme in the facilitators focus group So, and finally, coming to the implications of the study for practice, so uh, fostering connections based on current best practice becomes the core training provision for foster carers to sustain progress made Um, through this program, ongoing training will be required for foster carers, implementation is needed for a parallel practitioner-based program. And to support implementation of the programme, facilitators will require support. So implications of the study for policy is the policies required that supports the development of trauma-informed care in foster care beyond implementation of trauma-informed care at local and individual service level and practice guidance that reflects a trauma-informed perspective explicitly stating the importance of collaborative practice between practitioners and foster carers. So I'm just coming to the end and I'd like to thank those of you without without your support, this study would not have been achieved. Uh, To the research participants, to the stakeholder group members, to my colleagues, to my mentors, you have guided me and supported me and shared your expertise and I thank you all for that. And I also want to thank Dr Howard Bath for his contribution to the field and for his ongoing support for my work. I'm going to stop there, I don't know how I'm doing for time Robbie.
0: Unmuting myself. (laughs) Um, You're doing well, very well. Um, So uh there are lots of questions uh, and again just to remind people that they're welcome to uh, put their hand up or so we can uh, have you speak to the to the webinar um, or we can we can take questions from the uh, chat line so maybe just to start uh, we take some questions from the start. Um, so a question from Anita O'Rourke Um Excellent research and programme, Anita says, and asks, will this training be rolled out as part of fostering training in Tusla? I think that's a question, th- 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 before you answer that, Maria, that question is coming in in various forms, that, that issue about to what, to what extent <laughs> might it be rolled out.
1: Um well at, at the moment uh, my current remit is to roll out the program in the Cork area only and beyond this it's not part of my remit at this time however it is my wish uh, that my research is gets you know that it's uh, a far reach as I possibly can to support children and families and those who work with them you know as much as I possibly can so that's the current situation
0: Okay, thanks very much for that. Um, maybe uh, if, if I could ask Mave, uh, there's a question here from uh, Leslie Howard. If we could, if Leslie is willing to speak w- w- to his question, it might be um, easier for him to exp- explain his the background to his question uh, and ask it directly. If that's okay, is that okay, Leslie? You 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 will be. Uh, there's a little bit of a time lag on, on uh, enabling that. Is that okay, Maeve? All right, I can I can I can go ahead and, and 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 read 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 the question. Okay. So, um, so, so, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and read the question. Um, Leslie says, I am a family therapist and I'm presently contracted to work with two foster families where past traumatic experiences feature in the history of the foster children. Um, so the question is, uh, what is your view on how trustless support provides support to such services as family therapy uh, that may be engaged with foster families? Has, has, has that... Issue of other other support systems come come into your onto your radar in this study and in your work in, in this area.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I suppose this study, you know, is focusing on one form of intervention, and and it was aimed to support more. Fostering stability, but it's, I suppose, the approach for particularly with families and who are, are dealing with children who have, I suppose, high end developmental trauma experiences that they're going to need more than a psychoeducational intervention. So, um, you know, they will need more specific individual work. Um, it's part of my role within the fostering team that I have developed a therapeutic intervention based on my doctoral work that I can offer an individual service as well for for a foster family that needs a higher end but yeah I it's 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 about I suppose assessing what you know the need and how best to target it and I think family therapy could play a role in that it could be um, I'm very, uh, I'm trained myself um, in GDP, and I really like that model, which is very much trauma-informed, and that's working a lot with, it's working through the carers, so that's the model of trauma-informed uh, care uh, as well,
0: yeah. Spell out, the, spell out the acronym for people who may not be familiar, what's your what what
1: Diadic. You yeah. Um, sorry, developmental. DDP, dyadic developmental psychotherapeutic practice.
0: Okay. There's a whole to process to yet. become a <laughs> okay. people
1: will know what I'm talking about, Robbie, because they'll, okay. in, they'll well, be in this the, kind the of the
0: people process. in Cork are lucky to know. <laughs> no, I think uh, it's okay, thanks. It's it's more generally a known. Uh, okay. Uh, but just I just in case some people that didn't know. A question from Kelly Thompson, if I may, uh, interesting question. Can this program be implemented in a children's residential uh, care service?
1: It's a really good question. I think it's a really good fit because it's working through the caregiving, um, it's working through the interaction between the person in a caregiving role and the child or the young person. I, I, I totally think it's a, it would be Um, wonderful and uh, you know um, it I know some of the research that has shown very positive and promising results around trauma-informed care being implemented in residential um, services in America of course I, I don't think there's any studies in Ireland but yeah it's a really good fit because it is working with the uh, it's a basically the relationship based approach within a trauma framework and within my program it's there is a huge part of attachment theory involved in it so people the trauma framework in my program is broadened out to include attachment collaborative practice so yeah i think it would be a wonderful fit for residential
0: that sounds like a yes kelly (laughs) (laughs) okay very good uh, next question from Ronan Keegan. Um, thank you very much, Maria. Very interesting research. Has there been any linkages to better school performance or improved educational outcomes for children in care from your, from your study?
1: That's an interesting question. And I, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be a lovely study for if, I, if and myself could collaborate? <laughs> um, I know I didn't measure that. But it, I suppose what's tied into it, um, what came out of the focus groups, the idea of getting teachers on board with this approach is really important. In particular, teachers were mentioned that, you know, I suppose to support a more, you need, I suppose, a systemic approach and think about all the key players around the child. So I would think you'd need consistency with the teacher involved as well. And a lot of the people, the carers that participated in the program and, you know, this is the pilot, but there's now over 200 foster carers in Cork trained in this model. Um, They advocate very strongly with the teachers and the schools. So I don't have performance, it's the kind of I'm not answering your question directly, but I don't have any uh, data on performance, but I guess if you think if a child is feeling calmer and more regulated, and things are going better with their peers, that must have a knock on in the school. If okay. you've got a teacher on board, if you've got a teacher All right.
0: who's- Okay, that's an encouraging encouraging sounding response. Uh, and also, of course, uh, it's an interesting question. And Thank you, Roman, mm-hmm. because maybe it's a study in, in the making or a study for the future, um, hopefully. Um, a question from Carol O'Hanlon, um, who says, "As a former foster carer, Maria, I really believe it is a great piece of research. Doing your, doing your uh, trauma informed course, uh, I believe, would be a benefit to all foster carers. I hope it'll be rolled out to, to all Tusla and private organisations. So I think that's a positive comment rather than rather than a question. So thank you for that, Carol.
1: Thank you, Carol."
0: And moving on then, there's a, an interesting question from somebody who wishes to remain anonymous. Uh, but does Maria think the program could be relevant for parents in general, parents of children who have experienced trauma or is it only relevant for foster carers? Okay, so this is say parents with their own kids.
1: It's. I think it could be adapted in it. You know, there's an awful lot of overlap. It's something I'd be very interested in in developing an intervention for, you know, abs- yeah, there's a lot of overlap. And, um, and I think the format of the group, because it's it part of it, part of, I think the success of the program or the results were s- so strong was, it was the content, but it was also the experience of the group. So I would imagine if it was adapted more to the experience of a parent in the community and that power of the group, would be transformative. I'll be, I've published my process study and in that I, I talk about the, the experience of actually how through the program, the, the, the foster care actually, um, they had a transformative learning experience, so they reframed their thinking around the child. So I think that could be replicated with a parent who will change how they see the their child's behavior it'll reframe it with a trauma-informed lens so then they're not reacting to the behavior in front of them they're thinking behind it and they're becoming more reflective so the principles behind it and i suppose the theoretical framework behind fostering connections could uh, yeah it would need a bit of tweaking because the language is very foster care you but yeah i think the principles are very Okay, well, that's,
0: that's a it. that's a, another positive uh, response, I think, <laughs> and also maybe an an encouragement to be thinking along the lines of maybe adapting, as as you're saying, there, it might need to be adapted, but the fundamental principles could be very helpful. It, very interesting question from Deirdre Connolly. But before I say before I say that, we're we're delighted. There's a real steady stream of questions, which is a great uh tribute to you maria i think for your presentation but also to, to, to acknowledge that there were uh, well over 300 300 maybe closer to 350 people i think uh, attending this, this session so that's a really marvelous response so thank you to 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 all of the people who have attended uh, so to come back to Deirdre, a uh, great question where relative foster care is included in the study Yes. And if so, were there any differences in how they experienced the program?
1: I looked at that in my statistical um, results, and there actually was nothing significant. But I think, um, well, first of all, trauma-informed care is all about, you know, partnering, collaboration, power sharing. So I want the way I invited. Everybody who wanted to be in the pilot was accepted into the pilot. So then I have to look at the relatives that wanted to come. So they were people comfortable with being in the group, comfortable with being with general foster carers. So, you know, how representative of are they of maybe the wider group of relative carers? I don't know if there's any relatives there to the um, here that might have comments on that. So they benefited just as much as the um, general. But I will say, if you'd asked me that question before I did the study, I would have always been advocating as a practitioner that relatives, their needs are very different, their experience is very different and they need more specific type training. But actually the relatives in my study benefited just as much as the general. So it might be more to do with the relatives that came on the study you know I mean the study there is your it's 79 if you look at the quantitative um but it didn't show differences but as a practitioner I am thinking they have different needs
0: (laughs) yes um Joan Cronin just wants you to know that Cork she thinks Cork is lucky to have you
1: oh thank you Joan (laughs) <laughs> thank you um, now, i'm
0: also conscious somebody has brought to my attention that there are there may be some questions on the chat box which is where of course i directed people i'm sorry about that i'm sure Ivan was cringing but you heard that or or may it should i should have been directing you to the q a of course so forgive me um robbie so i go yeah go ahead
1: could I answer I noticed the question there around facilitator supports and yes, I didn't push much on that on my presentation, but it was a very strong theme and a really important theme and just to speak to that um, it was really interesting that the facilitators experience of delivering the program mirrored the foster care's experience. So it's hard-hitting, it's a very emotionally engaging. Um, and I suppose, even though, you know, as the author of the program and the lead facilitator, I felt that I, and these were all very experienced uh, facilitators, I felt that I had prepared them and we had put in the program, you know, safeguards around ground rules, around, um, you know, regulating grounding exercises and we did debrief. They still felt that they weren't prepared and there was a lot of disclosures during the programme. And they felt that, I suppose, that was one of the things when I was talking about supports, They wanted more support, so more supervision, um, I suppose, more time to be able to prepare and to reflect and for this to be accounted for in their workloads because they all had caseloads and, you know, they were were really invested and wanted to do it and a lot of them felt it was a real upskilling for them too because they were learning about the programme content. But, um, and it that aligns with other research um, uh, in other countries that I often facilitators are expected to do training as an add-on to all their other, so the idea that it has to be acknowledged and the, that workload has to be, I suppose, it has to be carved out and people have to be given that time and space. So that's okay. why, you know, it's, I, I haven't gone into it on my presentation today, but that's a piece. And I, it's, sure. I talk about it in the um, that process study paper.
0: OK, now we're uh, we're not we're not out of time, but we're, we're the the clock is is ticking. Uh, so just we are probably going to try and answer as many questions as possible. There are a lot of questions. We're not going to get through them all. I have to I have to say, but uh, try and uh, reflect the kind of questions that are, are uh, popping up in, in different ways one, one question here from Suzanne Mooney uh, she, she's wondering about your idea about a parallel practitioner-based program uh, how far has your thinking developed on this May, maybe we can try and be um, uh, reasonably brief on these just to okay of,
1: okay Robbie, to a, um, few, a, a,
0: a few more questions
1: It's a real gap. I think it's something that we need to set up. I really would love to see it research based and, you know, use intervention research to really build a program to a standard of excellence. I did a pilot in the Cork area for my uh, own colleagues across the social work teams, but that was a one-off and it hasn't continued. And then we got COVID. So I think there's a gap and it, it can be filled. There's a wider piece then with the other stakeholders. And that's why I'm doing uh, my CPG course in UCC, which I get the teachers coming to that and people in who are kind of external to Tusta but they also have a role to play in a child's life you know and a child who's growing up and care their life so yeah there's definitely a need and I would hope that that will be
0: okay Uh, I won't I won't um, turn this into a question necessarily but just to make the comment that there is a Claire Hennessy has said uh, that is it possible to link in with training in Cork for the private fostering agency. So again, that's your point, that's linking in with your point about there's a wider set of stakeholders there who can be, who can be involved. Um, Michael Ryan is asking, Was there, uh, it, it, has the programme continued in the Cork area beyond your research uh, phase?
1: That's a really good question, Michael. Yes, But my core role in Cork is implementation. I have trained over 200 along with my co-facilitators, foster carers. And since COVID, I've adapted the programme to an online version, which is very challenging. So we're on our third run um, at currently. Um, so yeah, keeping going. And then as an implementation piece, I've developed a reconnect programme, so that is offered twice annually to kind of give a refresher, uh, speaking to that point of ongoing support. So yeah, it's, so we have over 500 cares in Cork, so we have about 200 um, uh, foster cares currently trained, but it needs an ongoing, this isn't, you don't just do it and you're done, <laughs> do you know, this is the process and this is something you have to invest in, I think uh, over long, over your whole life really
0: okay well well done you're really uh you're you're getting through a huge amount of of ground here but here's a a comment and question from joe mooney he's saying great study and thanks for sharing his focus is on uh the disclosure of sexual abuse so young people um who who make disclosure may do so to peers that that's found to be um a, a common pattern but is there anything in the research or your program um regarding the impact or the resources for the impact on our resources for children of foster families who might be recipients of disclosures so just has that issue
1: it's an interesting area it's not covered in the program however we are looking in Cork at developing some training with our family center which is the uh childhood sexual abuse assessment center and looking at those issues going forward because it was raised actually as a concern but i haven't addressed it in the program i think it it needs probably a more bespoke um its own training in itself for people who are coming across that issue
0: okay um just a question from karen howard is there anywhere to access more details of what is actually in the program um you've 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 provided uh details via Mave and the chat function of uh publications uh arising from the study and and evaluating the outcomes Mm -hmm. but if somebody wants to just understand what's what's in the program now i know you've given us a broad overview but i mean just a sense of what the sessions might actually be like, I think maybe is what, mm-hmm. and I know that's a big question in a way. But it just maybe there's a short answer. He, he asks hopefully.
1: <laughs> short answer is the copyright to the all the uh, the toolkit and the practitioner uh, facilitator guide. All those materials are copyrighted to Tusla, so you'd have to get per- permission to get access to that from Tusla. Um, What I is available to the public, Um, Maeve, I'd say, is put up most of those, so that's um, um, what's available publicly.
0: Okay. Um, Now, just going back to the, I'm I'm, 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 uh, working between two sets of questions, two streams of questions, but the question of Deirdre Connolly, were the views of children included in the effectiveness of the program? That's an interesting question. From the, through the Strengths and Difficulties Questionnaire Survey.
1: Yeah, I, you know, that is a really interesting question. And as a social worker, uh, you know that, I suppose, it. I felt that the whole way through. I didn't speak to children. It's a limitation to the study. There were a couple of reasons around that. First of all, I'd be probably still looking for ethical approval if I tried to go that route. Secondly, I suppose there's the burden as well of asking children questions around these issues, you know. So I think as a pilot, it wasn't appropriate, but maybe in future, if if I got to do a further study, I could look at that. But what I did to kind of help me understand the lens of somebody who has had lived experience that was included in the stakeholder group. So that actual, it, it, I felt it was very much part of the study. I didn't get it in outcome results, but the understanding of where the child's perspective and somebody with lived experience, I really did take on board. And I think that's what got the tone of the program right. Probably the most powerful influence.
0: Okay, well, those... <laughs> Those of us who know about who supervise or support PhD st- level studies know that you've undertaken a pretty major study uh, to earn your, your 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 degree. So well done for that, um, and certainly the, adding on the children lens would have been, you know, very interesting. But I mean. Pr- very ambitious, as you say, both in terms of adding on the volume of work in the time available and so on and resources available, but also the ethical issues. I just, I can't let that point go without noting that there are major challenges uh, to gaining ethical approval to do research with children, which is, I think, a very big worry for a lot of us that uh, we're we're being prevented from doing research with children because of these. And I, I think it, there's an ethical issue about... Uh, just that needs to be looked at about whether ethics procedures themselves are actually proving to be a barrier to hearing the voice of the child. Anyway, that's the end of round four. <laughs> um So, um, so Orna Giblin. Um, extension of bria study within the educational setting would be marvelous while helping to educate teachers in trauma-informed care so that's so badly needed i'm a teacher who would love to see this happen and as a proud student of mary would love to be involved of maria would love to be involved
1: hi orna and i'd love to have you involved because you're an exceptional student sometimes i think orna could be giving the class um and i have done um a workshop with in UCC, in the Department of Education, the special needs teachers, masters, and I will say with the teachers, they are so on board with this, they're so open to it, um, you know, so it, it really is, I suppose, having a structure of it to feed in at some point, so um, into, even into the undergraduate programs, I think it will be a really good module to have in there because they have such an important role to play I mean if for a child growing up the teacher you know they have so much access to children and if they aren't consistent an awful lot of the, the difficulties that we explore in the program happen in school you know and where, when children are triggered and they're not responded to and it, it becomes re-traumatizing and compounds the experience so totally on board Orina. And you're the woman you're the woman to
0: do it <laughs> that's, that's that's a big a big call out to get uh you're the woman from uh from maria last question from debbie hayes it's a long question that i'm just going to uh, pick out uh, one one piece of the question which is uh, is there scope for a refresher course because uh, mm-hmm. debbie is concerned that maybe uh the effects of training and this is a classic issue in training in general that mm-hmm. the effects of training wear off um, and it needs some sort of uh, refresher, boost, booster training in some way. I'm just wondering, is that? It? I'm sure a lot of people yep. might answer that question.
1: That's what I spoke to about. The ReConnect program is the booster that's offered twice a year. And um, also, you see, I think this is not just about training. This is about a way of practice so it has to be i suppose for me my mission and my vision would be that it's you know implemented as part of the whole fostering system you know management practitioner in link work in assessments in support groups you know so it's not just about a training with foster carers everybody is actually you know, implementing this approach and it's consistent. So yes, I'm doing the refresher, but it's wider. It's it's not just one pocket. We need to, we need to get into all the pockets so that you know all the cogs of the wheel are turning together. So it's about it has to be, it has to be um, a systemic approach. That's really important. I couldn't do that obviously in a in a one study, but I'm making a contribution and I'm trying to. Oh you know, push that agenda as much as I can.
0: Yeah, well, uh, if I may, I think we begin to wrap up and to thank you, Maria, for your uh, very stimulating presentation, but also to congratulate you on the the overall study and that systemic vision you have about how these ideas can percolate through the system. I think that's a very important point. And I think your presentation really underlines the value of of this model of the Children and Care Research Forum um, by getting new material and new ideas out to people and uh, people learning about, about new possibilities, new potential that, that research brings. And there's not many things we can thank COVID for, but one thing we can thank COVID yeah. for is the fact that it makes this format online, makes, uh, which we probably would not have adopted without, without COVID, uh, makes uh, this kind of presentation much more accessible. And we're really delighted with the over. Uh, 350 people who took time out of their lunch or over their lunch uh, to take part um, also to say this session will be recorded um there have been some queries about slide availability of slides i i, I don't know what your thoughts are on that uh, maria but definitely the, the recording will be available and in that there will be information on the recording in the chat function of am i right to say the chat function is accessible in the recording or am i
1: no, I don't think
0: it is. Okay. Uh, but in the chat function currently anyway, there is um, the information was well circulated about the, the uh, publications that have been produced already by Maria, who is clearly a very productive researcher. <laughs> um, okay. Listen, folks, thank you all very much for joining us. Uh, we bring the ship in on time and thanks maria again you also brought the ship in on time very meticulously in terms of uh, delivering your presentation within the within the timeline and uh, answering i think a record number of questions <laughs> so thank you very much okay well, thank so you farewell thank everyone. You everybody thank thanks you everybody, thank thanks, everybody. Babe, thank thanks, Ivan, thanks. thanks maria Bye-bye.